If your Bibles aren't already open to the book of Proverbs, if you'd like to turn them there now, we'll be spending most of our time there in just a moment. I want to wish a happy Mother's Day to, to our mothers. Um, very thankful uh, for uh, the, the families that we have, but the greatest family that we have uh, is the family of God. And it is, it is wonderful that we have many mothers in the family of God, that we have one Father, uh, that we can spend this time listening to his words. I, I've been very thankful over the last two months for all the, the different forms of communication that are available to us through the technology that we have today. I, I, I've thought, you know, if we were experiencing this just 30 years ago, uh, it would be a much different experience. Uh, we, most of us, we, we wouldn't have email, let alone uh, you know, cell phones and texting and social media and, and the, the video conferencing software that we're able to use for, for things such as this. Uh, and so today we're, we're able to stay in touch from a distance so much easier than perhaps any generation that's ever lived. And, and yet, as I'm sure most of us are aware, that presents some unique challenges. Uh, good communication is difficult. It's hard. Um, it's hard in person, let alone when you take away all the body language and facial expression and tone of voice and timing and, and replace it by text on a screen. And yet, I think in the last two months, I have probably sent more texts and emails and messages than I did in all of 2019. Um, and so I thought it would be appropriate for us to take some time together to communicate about communicating, to think about what the Bible has to say about how we express our words and thoughts to one another. How can we better uh, be better speakers? How can we be better listeners? How can we develop good and wise habits of communication and thus strengthen our relationships with one another? We're going to actually do a two-part lesson. For anybody who received the email, you may notice it says 10 rules of communication, and I only gave you five. Uh, that's because uh, as I continued to work through the book of Proverbs and, and see all of these principles, um, I thought this, this would be a little bit too much material to fit into one lesson. So I want us to talk this week and next week, uh, Lord willing, about principles of communication, rules for communication uh, that we're primarily going to see from the book of Proverbs. Um, and I don't intend to speak from any personal wisdom or experience today. Not, not that I ever make it my aim to, to do that when, when we are here together. Our focus needs to be on God's word. But just recently, um, at the start of all of this lockdown with COVID-19, I was talking with Jason uh, here at the building and uh, talking about the difficulty of trying to compose emails and work out some of these decisions that we were having to make. And I, I made the statement, I, I just hate communicating. Uh, and Jason got a good laugh out of that. Um, but, I, you know, my, my words have gotten me in trouble enough times. I, I've, I've said things that I look back on and regret that, that sometimes I, I just dread trying to communicate. But by God's grace and with his wisdom, I hope we can all leave here today a little further equipped to handle the challenge of communicating in a way that glorifies God. Uh, and so I don't claim to have any 
uh, ability in this myself. I, I feel that I, I fail many times, but I hope by looking at God's word together, we, we can all uh, strengthen our ability to communicate with one another. The first rule that I want us to look at, um, it's not a typo. The first rule is communicate. This is kind of like what Proverbs says in Proverbs 4 in verse 7. It says, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Uh, the first rule of communication is do it. It's important. We need to value communication. As difficult as communication is, it is extremely important. We need to do it. We need to do it well. We need to do it consistently. Because communication is what relationships are built on. And so we, we can't let that, that dread or that fear, that frustration or hurt feelings or busyness or neglect keep us from reaching out to one another and fostering stronger relationships through communication. That's what God desires of us. God desires for us to be knit together as a body, as a, a flock, as a family. And what that is going to require is good communication. A church that works well together is a church that communicates well with one another. So this is something we need to work on, something we need to give attention to. That passage that Luke read for us a moment ago, Proverbs 18, verse 20 and 21. It said, from the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. There's a lot that Proverbs has to say, and a lot that we'll focus on about the dangers of the tongue, the misuses of the tongue, areas that we, we need to, to close our mouths. Um, and yet, Proverbs also tells us that this is valuable, that this is important, that it's good, um, that we need to give it its proper attention so that we might bear good fruit from our lips to the glory of God. And so while it can do great damage, it can also do great good. And those who are going to experience that fruit, it says there in verse 21, those who love it, will eat its fruit. Now, we, we could talk about this in a negative way, and perhaps that might be part of the idea here. Um, certainly those who, who love to talk um, are maybe going to eat some not-so-good fruits from that. But, but I think maybe based on the context of verse 20, the, the more primary thought here is that those who, who give the tongue its proper due, its proper attention, its proper value in their lives, who recognize the good that communication can accomplish, are going to be the ones who are going to cultivate it, who are going to experience that good fruit that it can provide, the life, the power of life that it has. And so, granted, when I was talking to Jason, I, I was joking to some extent, saying I hate communication, but that's not the right attitude. We, we need to give the proper importance and value to communication. We need not to allow any dread or frustration to keep us from cultivating it and working on it, treating communication, treating our tongue like a garden that we're cultivating, that we might experience the good fruits that God says it can provide when directed by him. So Proverbs will have a lot to say about when not to speak and how not to speak, but let's not get the wrong idea. There's a big difference between simply avoiding bad communication and cultivating good communication. Active communication is essential to build the kind of relationships that God wants us to have. And it is especially essential when there is conflict, when there's misunderstandings. I want us to look at two New Testament passages 
uh, in our consideration of this as well. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. Jesus says, So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. You know, we, we rightly stress the importance of the assembly. Uh, and perhaps as we begin to, to transition back to more of a physical assembly, we might spend some time talking about why that's so important and why God designed it that way. Um, but you know what God says is more necessary, more, more needed than the worship that we're giving him? Uh, in this case, probably at the temple, but, but in our case, in, in the building here. Making things right with our brethren. He says, you, you have your offering, offering and you're going to give it to the Lord, but you recognize that your brother has something against you? Set it down. Leave it there. Go make things right with your brother first. That's how important, Jesus says, it is that we work things out, that we communicate through conflict. In fact, if you know today that you have said something or done something hurtful, that hasn't been resolved, that hasn't been addressed, I invite you to hang up the phone, get off this Zoom call, and go make it right. Because that's what Jesus says. And not only does that go on the side of when we're the one who has done the hurting, you notice later on in Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 18 and verse 15, we see the other end of this. Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Do you notice that? In Matthew chapter 5, he says, if you recognize that your brother has something against you, that you've hurt your brother, go make it right. Here in Matthew 18, he says, if your brother has hurt you, if your brother has sinned against you, you go and you make it right. It doesn't matter what side of the conflict we're on. Jesus gives us a responsibility to communicate about that, to work through it, to pursue reconciliation through conflict. Yet so often, the reason that we give for not talking with somebody is the very reason that Jesus gives that we need to talk to somebody. So many times, well, well my, my feelings are hurt. I, I'm not going to go and, and talk to them. Well, this is a difficult situation, and they did some things that they shouldn't. I really don't want to talk to them about that. that. That makes this more difficult. That's when Jesus says we need to be communicating more than ever. The only way that we're going to work through that conflict is to communicate with one another. I, I want us to, to encourage us to ingrain something in the culture of the congregation here. If anyone ever comes to me, if anybody ever comes to you talking about what so-and-so did and what so-and-so said, the first question that we should always ask is, have you talked to them about it? And if the answer is no, end of conversation. Jesus says we need to communicate about those things. We need to go to the people that we, we have this conflict with. And if the answer is yes, yes, I have talked to them about it, and we still haven't been able to resolve this, then, then our second question can be, okay, well, how can I help? 
It's not that we're just going to continue to talk about this and invent about this and, and gossip about this. No, if, if it is appropriate, as we see in Matthew 18, having already addressed the brother about this situation, um, to then continue to talk about it, it's going to be so we can help this situation, so we can reconcile this situation. Good communication doesn't happen by talking to Jason about Grady and talking to Mike about Grady and talking to Jerome about Grady. It happens by talking to Grady about Grady. If I've done something, you need to talk to me. I want you to talk to me, in fact. And that's the attitude that we need to cultivate. That's what we need to work on. Communication, even when it's hard, is what we need to do. In fact, we need to communicate especially when it's hard because that's when it's most important. And so rule number one, communicate. Strengthen those relationships, work through those conflicts, by making it a priority that we do talk with one another, that we do are part of one another's lives by, by constant and good communication. But along with that, we need to listen first. Good communication starts with the ears, not with the mouth. James 1 and verse 19 tells us to be uh, quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. If we want to be a good communicator, we first need to focus on becoming a good listener. Look in Proverbs 18 and verse 13. Proverbs 18, verse 13, we're told, If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Later on in Proverbs 21 and verse 28, Proverbs 21, verse 28 says, A false witness will perish, but the word of a man who hears will endure. Uh, the NIV says there, A careful listener will testify successfully. Um, and so the effectiveness of our words in any given situation is going to depend greatly on how well and how thoroughly we have first listened to the words of others. You notice back there in, in Proverbs 18, he said, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. It's so easy for us to respond to what we think somebody is saying rather than to take the time to actually understand what they're saying and respond to that. We, we often think that good communication is being able to finish one another's sentences. But good communication is actually letting each other finish their sentences <laughs> and giving them time to communicate and, and listening to what they have to say. Uh, and I'll, I'll be honest, this is something that Aaron and I struggle with. We, we often want to finish one another's sentences. We, uh, I think both of us sometimes are very slow thinkers when it comes to communicating what we're wanting to say. Uh, and it's, it's, it's very often that the other one kind of wants to jump in and, and finish the sentence. Well, do you mean this? Do you mean that? Uh, after two or three times getting the wrong answer of the end to the sentence, we realize what we've done. Um, we, we need to make sure that, that we're not impatient with people, but that we take the time to sit and to listen to what they have to say. I, I found this in evangelistic studies as well. I, I, I've, you, know, you think that if, if you want to express the gospel well to other people, you need to get really good at talking. Really, you need to get really good at listening. But before you can effectively communicate the gospel, um, you first need to understand where somebody is, what, where they're at in their thinking about the Bible, what, what they understand, what they don't understand. We need to cultivate 
this ability to listen and to listen well. Because listening well is part of showing love. Uh, it is showing selfless consideration for others. Many times the, the reason that we don't listen well is because we're really more interested about what's going on in our minds and what's going on in our lives than being interested in someone else. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 tells us, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Every conversation we enter into, uh, let's enter into it with the goal of learning more about what's going on in somebody else's life. Uh, let's seek out their interests. Treat them as more significant. That's the attitude of Christ. And so I think we need to give some hard work, some, some attention to our ability of listening. Because listening is not easy. Listening is something that takes practice. We have to learn how to ask good questions, how to pay close attention to what someone is saying. But let's commit to always listening first and speaking last. Because as we saw in Proverbs, our, our words are going to be much more effective, much more helpful if we first listen and then respond. Going along with this, one of the hardest things for us to listen to many times is when we've done something wrong. And there's perhaps no principle in Proverbs that is more consistently talked about than the value of welcoming correction. Um, you know, in, in fact, as we think about communication here, we're really going to talk a lot more about the receiving side of communication today than we're going to talk about the giving side. Uh, because that's where it starts. And one of the most important things to receive is to receive correction. We talked in Matthew chapter 5 and in Matthew chapter 18 about the importance of communicating in these situations when wrong has been done, when somebody has been hurt. Uh, but that doesn't just mean I need to communicate when when I'm the one who is giving the correction, I need to be good at receiving that type of correction. In Proverbs chapter 12, in verse 1, we read, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. I don't know about you, but that, that hits me right in between the eyes. Um, reproof is not something that I naturally want. And yet Proverbs tells me that if I hate reproof, then I am stupid. You can't put it much clearer than that. We need to be those who love discipline. Proverbs 17 and verse 10 says, A rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. How deep does correction go into my heart? Do we welcome it in or do we repel it at the surface and harden ourselves against it? Proverbs tells us that the wise are going to be those who allow correction to go deep within them, to make a difference in their lives, to bring about change within them. Proverbs 25 and verse 12. 25 and verse 12 says, Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. 
Is that the way that I, I view reproof? Do I value it as, as gold or as silver? Do I see it as a precious gift that somebody has given me? Or do I see it as an unwelcome intrusion on my personal business? You know, well, that, that, that's not for you to say. Well, Proverbs says I need to view it as a gift, as something valuable. And, and we could look at about 20 more different passages in the book of Proverbs that all make this point time and time and time again. If I'm going to be a good listener, I need to learn, first and foremost, to listen to correction, to listen to reproof. It's not natural for us to love discipline. It's not natural for us to welcome correction, but that's something that we have to cultivate. We don't like to face our mistakes or admit our failures. It's not enjoyable to see ourselves in that light, and it's even less enjoyable for somebody else to present us to us, uh, to ourselves in that light. But if we're ever going to grow, if we're ever going to learn, we have to welcome correction. Welcoming correction requires a certain amount of humility, recognizing that I need to change and I need to grow. And when other people bring that to my attention, it is a blessing to me. I, I, I think sometimes about, um, about preaching. Um, you know, over the past 10 years, I, I, I don't know how many sermons I've preached, but uh, pe- people react to sermons in different ways sometimes. And there have been times where I preached a sermon and somebody came up to me afterwards and said, did you preach that to me? Uh, and my answer at the time was, well, well no, I, I thought it was something that could be helpful to, to all of us. Um, but then, you know, there are other people who at times come up and say, thank you for preaching that. I really needed to hear that. You, you notice the difference in, in attitude there? <laughs> you know, um, I should have the attitude that if, if, if you did say that for me, thank you, because I needed to hear that. And yet, many times my attitude is, oh man, you know, he, he was talking to me. How, how dare him talk to me like that? Well, I, I, and I'll, I'll tell you, I, I make it my goal never to single out anybody. I, I usually preach on things that I think I need to hear. Um, but we need to have the attitude that welcomes that. I, I think the attitude of David in Psalm 141 is really helpful to us. He, he really prays a prayer here that I think should be our prayer. In Psalm 141 and verse 5, David says, Let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it. Do we view the, the rebuke, the reproof of others as, as oil anointing our heads? Do we pray, God, help me not to refuse that? Help me when something is convicting me not to kick back against it, but to welcome it into my heart? Well, Proverbs says if we are going to be good at communication, then we need to be good at accepting correction. We need to cultivate this attitude of welcoming that in our lives. That's part of being a good listener. But thirdly, before my thoughts ever get to my mouth, I need to take time to think about it. Most times when our words get us in trouble, it's not because we've thought long and hard about what we were going to say, and in the end we just make the wrong decision. Most times that our mouths get us in trouble, 
it's because in the spur of the moment, we didn't really think through um, all the consequences of what we were saying. Proverbs 15 and verse 28 says, The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. Do, do we do more pondering in our communication? Or do we do more pouring forth? Well, the wise, the righteous, is going to do some considerable thinking, pondering, prior to anything coming out of his mouth. Proverbs 29 and verse 20. 29 and verse 20, we read, Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Now, if you've read through the book of Proverbs, you, you know the fool. Time and time again, we hear about the fool and, and how horrible the, the fool is, how hopeless and futile it is to try to work with the fool. And yet here in Proverbs 29, it says, one who is hasty in his words, there is more hope for a fool than for him. That, that should scare us. That should stop us in our tracks. If I'm one who doesn't take the time to think about what's coming out of my mouth, then I would be better off being a fool, he says. And so it's important that we give real thought to our words, especially when there is conflict, especially when emotions are high. It's tempting to want to fire back with a response. Society tells us that a quick comeback has a lot more force and effectiveness to it than a well-thought-out, even-tempered response. But it's a lie. Quick comebacks do more to stir up the pot, do more damage than any good. Now, they may make me feel good. They may make me feel like, well, I'm winning this argument. But it's not going to do any good. What truly has value is when we've taken the time to let our emotions cool, to say things that are genuinely going to help the situation. Proverbs 26, um, verse 20 and 21. And I think I neglected to, to put this on the, the PowerPoint. But Proverbs 26, 20 and 21 says, For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisper, quarreling ceases. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. Do you, do you see the picture there? When we have conflict and strife here, he talks about it as kind of stirring up the fire, kindling it, getting it to blaze. But where there is no whisper, where we, we step back and we stop this back and forth of quarreling, when we stop talking about people in bad ways and ways that we don't need to, then that quarrel is going to die out. You, you've heard the expression, strike while the iron is hot. I, I recognize that in metallurgy, that, that is good advice. Maybe in business, uh, you can use that as an illustration of we, we need to, to jump on things right now. But when it comes to our speech, we need not to strike while the iron is hot. We need to let it cool down. We talked about in Matthew 5, Matthew 18, the importance of communicating through conflict. But, but there's wisdom as well from Proverbs in letting emotions cool down. Um, yes, we need to communicate through conflict, but sometimes good communication does take time. 
Sometimes it takes time to think, take time to pray, take time to make sure that this isn't just my emotions coming out, but this is me genuinely seeking to say what is best in this situation. James 1.19 says, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. It's not necessarily that we don't speak. We'll talk about uh, some cases in which we shouldn't speak. Um, but we need to be slow in speech. And that doesn't mean that I, I need a southern drawl. Uh, that means I need to, to take time to think about what I'm saying. And he associates that with being slow to anger, with our emotions. We need to take time to make sure that our emotions aren't getting in the way of saying what is best. Later on in the same chapter in James, he says, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Do you see that picture? Bridling the tongue. It's not that the tongue is a bad thing. We talked about how it has the power of life and of death. How it can bear good fruit. But it needs to be bridled. Here, it's a very powerful force that needs to, to be restrained. We can't just let it loose. We need to, to gently and slowly guide it in the right direction. Is that how we use our tongue? Do we take time to think uh, about the things that we are saying? A lot of what we will see in, in next week's lesson will, will give us some more ideas about what kind of things we need to be thinking about. But another point for today is that we need to know when to be quiet. There, there are times where after we have thought and prayed about it, we can move forward, hopefully with, with greater wisdom and how we are expressing some of these things. But taking time to ponder uh, instead of pouring forth, uh, at times may help us realize that we're just better off staying silent on certain situations Proverbs 11 in verse 12 says, Whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. Proverbs 17 verse 27 and 28 says, Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Again, Proverbs 29, verse 11, a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. We, we often talk about venting our feelings. It's easy when our emotions are stirred up to want to pour forth rather than to ponder. Um, to pour forth our thoughts, thoughts to someone else, to complain, to gossip, to just kind of let loose and... and let our emotions come out in our words. And from the perspective of worldly wisdom, there is great value in venting, right? Because it makes you feel better. But that doesn't mean it's right. And that doesn't mean that it's not going to damage other people around you. While communicating about our feelings and about our struggles to others is very important, there is never a time where that doesn't need to be governed by wisdom. There's never a time where I don't need to make sure that I'm communicating to the right people in the right way. If I ever have the attitude that, well, I'm, I'm just so frustrated about this, I, I just need to, to let loose my words, then I'm in trouble. Even when I do need to share what I'm struggling with with somebody else, that still needs to be governed by wisdom. 
making sure that I'm talking to the right person in the right way. Uh, and there is times when the vent is, is blowing in the wrong direction, and the best approach is just to, to shut the vent off and not to continue to uh, spew out things that may be harmful to those around us. If I ever find myself tired of holding the reins of my tongue, then I need to, to lock that pony up in the barn and not let it loose. I need to make sure that I am not simply letting my tongue run free, even and, and especially in situations where uh, I am frustrated and, and hurt and dealing with emotions. I need to first and foremost, leave those emotions with the Lord. And perhaps once they've cooled down a little bit, I, I can, with wisdom, using some of the principles that we'll talk about next week, go, go to the right people in the right way and talk through some of those things in a way that's going to be constructive and glorifying to God, not a way that, that's going to do damage. Because there's some things that just don't need to be said. It's not that if I give enough thought to how to say it that it'll be okay. Sometimes I just need not to say it at all. It's not my, my place to speak up in this situation. It's not going to be helpful. We'll talk about some principles that we can use in, in applying what we need to be thinking about, when we need to be silent uh, next week, Lord willing. But, but let's suffice to say this for now. If what I'm saying is ever focused solely on my feelings and how it makes how it affects me and not focused in any way on what is going to genuinely benefit those around me and what is going to, to fulfill God's purposes, then I need to shut the vent. <laughs> I need to, to lock up the pony. I need to not allow those thoughts and those words to be poured forth in front of others. I need to take it to God to leave it with him. So what about you today? As, as we seek to look into the mirror of God's word, what, what do we see in ourselves? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. It's not something that, that we need to, to just avoid and run away from. We've talked about a lot of negative aspects of that. But what we need to do is we need to cultivate good communication. We need to work on it. We need to use our tongues in a way that's not going to be destructive, but actively use it in a way that's going to be constructive as well. Proverbs 18.21 says, Those who love it will eat its fruit. Let, let's love our tongues like, like a garden that we're cultivating, that we're taking care of, that we might bear good fruit with it. Um, let's put in the type of work and discipline to make sure that we are better communicators. And as we primarily talked about today, that means first that we're better listeners um, and that we are more eager to, to welcome in um, the, the rebuke um, and, and the communication of others. So what about you today? Uh, is there some area that, that you've been convicted that, that you need to change? Uh, I, I tell you, I, I preach this to myself um, more, more than I preach it to anybody else. I know that this is a struggle for me, um, which is why I dread it many times. Uh, but with God's help, by God's grace, with his strength, we, we need to work at it. We need to, to become better at it. Um, we need to use the gift that he's given us to, to do good uh, for those around us. 
If you do recognize today that there's something that needs to be changed, take that to the Lord. Um, make that change today. If you've not committed your life to the Lord, we always want to, to reach out and encourage others to, to surrender to God's direction in your life. His way is best. His way leads to eternal life. If you today recognize that you haven't given your life to the Lord, um, then we always want to, to encourage uh, others to, to bury the old man of sin behind them in the waters of baptism. If you've done that, but you're not living that, uh, won't you make that change today? If there's any way that we, we can help you, uh, that we can encourage you, that we can pray for you, please feel free to, to reach out through, through our email. Uh, if you're here, uh, feel free to, to bring that forward so that we can be praying about it together.